0: This episode of The Bell has been produced by our sister podcast, The Indo-Daily. Putin wouldn't get away with some of the drinks that you got away with. You must take the public for complete patches and fools. Today on The Indo-Daily, the RTE grilling, Ryan Tuberty's contract and Patrick Keelty's pay. Yeah, at the moment it's not tenable uh, for him to, to be on air for editorial reasons. We wouldn't give uh, our platform or airwaves to anyone who is either a public figure or a person who is involved in a controversy. It was open season on RT officials this week, as they appeared before two Oireachtas committees to account for the hidden payments issued to Ryan Tuberty. The Oireachtas Media Committee and the Dáil Public Accounts Committee revealed verbal agreements, resignation demands and Toy Show The Musical being terminated. Did anyone in the board flag that actually maybe there would be some public scrutiny deserved by the people on this and that having the DG still in situ to answer questions would be a good idea? Did anyone think of that? And even Patrick Keelty's salary to host the Late Late Show and Ryan Tubbery's own future at RTE were in the line of fire. If Patrick Keelty is not opposed, RTE are happy to publish the entire arrangement uh, around the Late Late Show. I'm Fiannon Sheehan, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Irish Independent Political Correspondent Gabia gadda and Deputy Political Editor Hugh O'Connell to look at what we learned and ask if the reputation of RTE is damaged beyond repair. You know, we are uh, trying to get to the bottom of what happens when it comes to these uh, unusual clandestine payments in RTE. Um, RTE executives and board members have come before Oireachta's committee to answer questions, but there are other people who could shine light on this, and they include Ryan Tuberty, they include his agent, uh, they include D. Forbes, and I still think that uh, they should be willing to come before the committee. So, Gabby, we've had... Two days of questioning of RTE executives uh, and other individuals who are associated uh, with uh, RTE uh, on the Ryan Tuberty payment scandal and associated issues, it, it's fair to say. Let's start with this 120 grand payment so last week we're told Ryan Toberty was paid 345 grand more than was declared over the course of 6 years there was this 75 grand by by 3 years tied into Renault then not tied into Renault and so on and so forth and then there's 120 grand on the previous years what's that money worth?
2: So that payment is the mystery payment. And I think as we learned from the media committee, it was the €120,000 payment that wasn't really a payment. So what we were told was that his salary between, for the years 2017, 2018, 2019, was underestimated by 120000 or under declared, I suppose, by €120,000. We were told at the media committee um, that, that money was not paid. Um, and I think that was made clear to an extent um, because the Chief Financial Officer Richard Collins said there was an adjustment made to the figures. Um, it was never paid, it was never accrued for in accounts. Then he's sort of talking about this 120,000 euro loyalty bonus and I think this is where the issue is, is that I think there's two different numbers that are at play here between those three years. His pay was under understated by 120,000 But then also separately, Tuberty was due this loyalty bonus of €120,000 at the end of his contract... That has not been paid because, as we know, he was not paid an exit fee. Now, that €120,000 for the three years is currently under investigation by Grant Thornton. So, executives really muddied the waters, to say okay. the least on that so one. So, we're going
0: to have to wait for Grant Thornton, which is going to take all of four weeks, although we were told yesterday they're currently inside in the building in, in, in RTE. Yeah. So, that one is parked. we were back then to the seventy-five grand and the kind of unorthodox way in which this came about. We were told it was being demanded by Tupperty's side that there would be this commercial deal be underwritten by RTE in case the sponsor pulled out. What did we learn about how that deal was struck?
2: So there was a verbal guarantee that was given um, by D Forbes, who was the Director General, on May 7th on a Microsoft Teams call um, basically to for RTE to underwrite that commercial deal. So if the deal was to fall through for whatever reason or you know, Tuberty wasn't able to get paid, that RTE would pay that amount. And of course, that's what exactly what happened.
0: So then RTE basically underwrites guarantees Guarantees, that they will pay it if the sponsor Renault pulls out.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, orti gu- guaranteed a commercial contract and the, you know, Acting Director-General Adrian Lynch said several times in the course of the committee that should have not happened. Mm. And in his book, that's essentially where the issue lies. And I suppose he is right to an extent. Fianna Fáil Senator Malcolm Burns saying that Noel Kelly, who of course represents Ryan Tuberty, he's able to dictate contracts to Orti, and he said it was unbelievable that orti mm. operates on partially verbal contracts.
0: Okay. That brings us on then to the Forbes and this uh, entire issue, the now resigned Secretary-General. Did anyone in the board flag that actually maybe there would be some public scrutiny deserved by the people on this and that having the DG still in situ to answer questions would be a good idea? Did anyone think of that? So, was she pushed? And the answer is actually yes. Yes, the
2: answer is yes. So, yes. So, Chair of the RT Junior Rally revealed that she asked the Director General D. Forbes for her resignation on June 16th and that was one of the recommendations from the Audit and Risk Committee was to ask for Ms Forbes' resignation. However, this was not forthcoming according to Miss Nurahli she said i thought her resignation was not forthcoming then we went into a disciplinary process and of course you know that D Forbes was suspended mm-hmm. and she said they've received legal advice to say that we couldn't say publicly that she was suspended because of labor laws however of course we do know that Orti came out and said that D Forbes was suspended um soon saying this is due to you know the damage that was being done to Orti and of course we know that D Forbes then eventually did go on to resign and it is crucial to say we are very much so missing her side of events here. She was invited before the committee. She's saying she cannot come because of ill health. The chair of the committee, Neve Smith, said, look, when you are in better health, we are still happy to hold those hearings with you.
0: Yeah. And and then we also found out yet another thing that was kept kept quiet. Not even Catherine Martin, the media minister, was told that there was a demand for D Forbes to resign.
2: Yes, we have this big moment, political moment. All eyes are on Catherine Martin. How is she going to do? What is she yeah. going to do to try and get hold of the the mess in RTE? Yeah. And of course, she went off and she met uh, Miss New on a Saturday, mm. and the chair of the RTE board didn't tell her. Oh yeah, I did ask for D Forbes to resign. Actually,
0: yeah, lead balloon uh, on 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 that one. So basically, that timeline has now basically been uh, adjusted. June fifteenth, D Forbes has her going away party. June sixteenth. The Grand Thornton Review arrives with the Audit and Risk Committee. Shuni Rahali asks for her resignation. Monday the 19th, RT insists D Forbes is only on annual leave. There's no issue. She's still in, in her position until July uh, the, the, the 9th. June uh, 22nd, RT finally uh, start uh, answering questions and making statements uh, on this issue and then on June the 23rd, which is the Friday, we learned that two days earlier, RT have suspended D Forbes. Then on the Saturday the 24th, uh, RT meet with Catherine Martin and say nothing about the demand. And then D Forbes ultimately resigns on Monday. Uh, the, the 26 so it's not exactly good that the uh, the chair of a, a public body is t- communicating with the minister and isn't mentioning details like this
2: No and I think this is really points to comments in the doll by the Taoiseach you know saying when you made their statement and said nobody could know the full extent of the deal um, especially on that 75,000 euro payment nobody could know the full extent of that apart from D Forbes Cleo Radcliffe saying that this, that's just not believable, that, yeah. that nobody else in the executive board knew it.
1: While the RT statement from yesterday sheds some light on what has
0: transpired, a lot of questions remain open. And certainly we do not believe it is credible that the former DG, D Forbes, was the only person with knowledge of these events.
2: Uh, Catherine Martin has now asked for that four-week uh, report that were promised from Grant Thornton for that to be sped up. Really, it's not really clear if government has any actual powers. I mean, they can come out and make statements and say things, but do they have any actual powers to clamp down on RTE?
0: We, we shall see how, how that plays out. Now another timeline that that's affected. So Ryan Tubbery announces in the middle of March, March sixteenth, the day before Saint Patrick's Day, that he is surprisingly departing the, the, the late late show. Uh Artie tell us last week that in late March they found out uh, about these issues. That timeline has very definitely changed.
2: Yeah, this is actually one of the more remarkable, I think, parts of the committee, of the media committee. The CFO, Richard Collins, saying that he knew since early March of the issues surrounding the €75,000 payment. Now, notably, he did say earlier on the committee that he was made aware around St. Patrick's Day, but actually, um Fien- Gael L T D Brendan Griffith Bernard Griffin went off and pressed him and we established that actually it was the Director General and the CFO that knew since early March not sure exactly what the dates were um, but he said yes the issue was flagged whenever it was early March at that stage I was spoken to the Director General was spoken to so now we know two key people knew and this is again where it's really handy to have Dee Forbes because then you can direct the question to her and say well did you tell Noel Kelly management and was Ryan Tobertie informed that this was coming down the tracks?
0: Ryan Tobertie not back in in RTE, very definitely yet, while this controversy is raging. Uh, and also, where are we going in terms of his contract?
2: So we had this really another hula-baloo yesterday, trying to figure out what the story is with Ryan contract. RTE literally spent the best part of all of yesterday between statements they were making through their press officers, between that, you know, four and a half hours at the committee saying Ryan Toberty's contract is finished. Ryan Toberty's contract is finished. Ryan Toberty's contract is finished. And then really towards the end of the committee finally Adrian Lynch says when Ryan Toberty has disputed that and has said actually my contract's not finished uh, through his sources in the media uh, Adrian Lynch says the TV and radio part of his contract finished on May 31st and now he's on the radio-only part of his contract and that's what he's getting paid for. And really that exchange and how long it took him to make that clarification, that distinction, because it is there is a difference between having your contract be expired and then being on another part of your contract and saying the contract's finished. Um Why is he not back on air? When will he be back, if ever? There's a bit of a chasm on air at the moment because in most Irish households, Ryan is the messiah, not the pariah. Um, And what has to happen for him to go back on air? What what, what will make you change your editorial decisions? People are wondering where is he and when will we hear his voice in airwaves?
0: Yeah, at the moment, it's not tenable uh, for him to to be on air for editorial reasons. We wouldn't give uh, our platform or airwaves to anyone who is either a public figure or a person who is involved in a controversy.
2: Mr Lynch saying we wouldn't give our platform or airwaves to someone who's a public figure or who's involved in a controversy. He's saying, look, Ryan Tuberty entered a lawful contract with RT. This is not an editorial issue. This is a significant failure in terms of controls. In fairness to RT, they have said consistently that Ryan Tuberty did no wrong. Um, you know he, he hasn't done anything wrong here. But while the controversy is ongoing, they cannot put him back on the airwaves. It's not really clear when we're going to see him back because this is going to rumble on for quite some time.
0: Yeah, partially by RT's own fault as well because they have an amount of documentation that, that they have yet to, to divulge. One person who very definitely is uh, going to be on the air, Patrick Keelty. What did we learn there about his salary? If, if Patrick Keelty is not opposed, RT are happy to publish the entire arrangement Uh,
2: around the Late Late Show. So also executives were asked several times, will you reveal now his pay, of course.
0: And Gabby, over the course of the afternoon, we've learned Patrick Keelty's salary. So it's 250 grand he'll be making uh, a a season of of 30 episodes of the Late Late Show. He's getting another 20 grand for for pre-production, I suppose you'd you'd call it preparation for the season and pilot episodes. And he's also uh, uh, admitted that he's given up Fifty grand uh, in expenses for travelling uh, over and back uh, from his home in London, so he'd be bearing that cost himself.
2: So I think there's an RT committee that has to sign off on his pay on Friday.
0: Yeah, and and a rather priceless uh, response at one point when they're asked, "Is Patrick Keelty's uh, contract legally binding?" And the answer was, uh, uh, "I don't know." I. There was no, a second one, then I, I, I think so, and then there was a yes. So it seems it signed off. Patrick Hildy has also indicated that he is he's happy uh, to to go down uh, this route. Toy Show the musical.
2: Yes, and the I suppose another, you know, arguably, was it a good use of money? We're not really quite sure. That came up interestingly towards the ends of the committee. Uh, Rory Coveney, the director of strategy, he sort of fielding questions on that. I think it was his own little project. And I remember RTE were advertising it morning noon not to get rid of the tickets. Whose decision was it to run such a show?
1: It came through the executive board, it came through, I, I was. Run, I, Okay. In responsible for the project in one sense. Um, it was signed off by the board, signed off by the Auto risk Committee. It wasn't successful. Um, it was a creative project that um, wasn't successful commercially, I should say.
2: We're not doing it this year. You know, again being asked, well, you know, publish all how much you spent on it. We want to see the numbers. He's saying, oh, well, it's a commercial sensitivity. Neve Smith again saying, look, that just doesn't hold up anymore. Mm. That's just not a viable argument. We want to see those figures. And he said, the tail between his legs, right, we'll we'll come back to you. So we await those figures eagerly.
0: Yeah. Uh, One other issue that came up then and will come up a lot more, this tax liability uh, as a result of bogus self-employed contracts?
2: Yes, so I think for the first time they confirmed that it was over a million euro that's been paid out by RTE um, in regards to bogus self-employment. Also, I suppose a scandal um, when it comes to again, how money is overseen at RTE. I think government figures were surprised to hear that it was that large amount of money. Um, It's kind of being buried in the middle of this scandal perhaps not getting the airtime really now that it should be. But again, I think it speaks more towards how money was managed or mismanaged within the broadcaster.
0: Right, we're going to cross live now to Hugh O'Connell who's at the Dahl Public Accounts Committee hearing. Uh, Hugh, more like an episode of Game of Thrones, there's so many bodies all over the floor of the committee room uh, of the the PAC uh, this afternoon. Let's start by discussing the Chief Financial Officer and his salary.
1: Yeah, so this came up during questioning from the Sinn Fein to the John Brady, who in the course of questioning, Mr. Collins asked about his salary, what he earns. It seemed to be a, a simple question. The chair of the board said that all of those figures will be published. And given the fact that you're you know that
0: you're in the you're working for a public organization, I would expect to hear that answer here today. The deputy has asked you, How much is your salary? I expect you to I would expect you to answer that
1: question. OK, I believe my salary is around 200000 base salary, plus a car allowance of 25000 right. And this is Richard Collins. He is the chief financial officer in ORTE, who yesterday told the Oireachtas Media Committee that he had taken comfort from the fact that Dee Forbes had signed off on ORTE, under, underwrite the deal at the centre of this controversy, and appears to have been uh, unaware of a lot of the detail of all of this and it appears to have displayed a lack of inquisitiveness about it. He came under fire repeatedly from TDs at the Public Accounts Committee. The other issue to which he had to answer to was his his knowledge of events, particularly uh, events related to the Deloitte audit which uncovered these payments. He disclosed today that he was aware, made aware by Deloitte of, the, of an issue in a routine audit um, about these payments of 75,000 euro uh, in on March the 7th. And later we heard in the committee that he, he communicated with the Director General Dee Forbes about this on March the 8th. Um, and that she had said that this was consultancy carried out by MK management in relation to uh, COVID and restructuring RTE during COVID. So it, it appears that uh, the detail on this was extremely sketchy. And Richard Collins referred to having notes of this conversation. All of this was done verbally, he said, but that he had notes, but he doesn't appear to have checked his notes or brought his notes into the committee room with him. So we're still finding a lot of gaps in all of this. Uh, and, and Collins' evidence in particular, I think, was problematic on a number of fronts because of, of what I just outlined there.
0: Uh, Ryan Tuberty's, uh claim last week was that this impending issue that was coming down the track had nothing to do with his decision to depart from the late, late show. RTE bosses seem to think now that that is they agree that that is possible. Can you explain to us how that came about?
1: So Adrian Lynch admitted that it it was possible that um, the controversy around the the payments influenced Ryan Tuberty's decision to step down from the Late Late Show. Now remember, Ryan Tuberty announced this decision on the 16th of March. It was on the 17th of March, St. Patrick's Day, that Deloitte uh, first notified members of Ortiz Audit and Risk Committee of an issue. Um, But it transpires, uh, as I said earlier, that Richard Collins uh, had been told about it on the 7th of March. Dee Forbes was told about it on the 8th of March. Um, John Brady, uh, the Sinn Féin TV, again questioning uh, Adrian Lynch, the Interim Director General of RTE, said he had had a conversation with the Director of Content, Jim Jennings, who's not able to attend the Committee on Health Grounds. So basically, John Brady put to him, Ryan Turbony could well have been informed by somebody that this process or these concerns had been raised. And Mr. Lynch conceded that based on the information that he had got, this was possible. Uh, He said it was possible that Mr. Tilbury knew of this this impending issue uncovered in the Deloitte audit uh, prior to him announcing publicly that he was stepping down as host of The Late Late Show. Jarlene O'Leary,
0: RTE Director of Commercial, and the... Tickets to a number of VIP events coming out of the barter account.
1: So Finnegal TD, Alan Dillon, got into the details of, of this barter account. Uh, and he asked for details of the, of the top two expenditure items in that account on, on, over recent years. And he asked Sheraldine O'Leary about this. She didn't seem to know about it um, or didn't have the detail to hand. it. But, but our, uh, Richard Collins, the, the chief financial officer, who's come under a lot of pressure in this hearing. Uh, was able to pull out a sheet of paper uh, and disclose uh, several payments made out of the Barker accounts, including €111,000 for travel and hotels for the 2019 Rugby World Cup for commercial clients and Wortees, €138,000 on 10-year IRFU season tickets, uh, presumably for the Aviva Stadium, um, which isn't far from Worte, as we know, and €26,000 uh on the 2019 Champions League final between Liverpool and Tottenham Hotspur. More detail is being sought about this, uh, particularly around who who was brought specifically. Uh, the Labour team Alan Kelly, uh, wanted more details on that. Um, and I think that that's something that Ortiz is going to have to clear up in the coming days because it's enormously concerning for the public to see this amount of taxpayers' money, uh, totaling I think one point two two five million I think paid out on the barter account over a ten year period. Um that this amount of this taxpayers money is being used in this way to entertain commercial clients at a sporting events.
0: Yeah the the phrase
1: "slush fund" being being mentioned, so uh, yeah, and indeed, and, in, and indeed, it's worth pointing out that the former chair Moya Doherty at one point was asked about uh, all of this and said that she had no knowledge of a slush, what she described as a slush fund in RTE. So Moya Doherty, the former chair of RTE as well, is saying that she had no knowledge of the uh, what she referred to as clandestine payments. She had no knowledge of what she also termed a slush fund. So I think we're going to be hearing a lot lot more about this slush fund in the coming days.
0: Hugh, um, ominous warnings coming here for the RT executive uh, as well. The, The incoming Director General, Kevin Backhurst, who's due to take up that role in about 10 days' time, he's fired a warning shot.
1: Yeah, at the very outset of, of the committee hearing, Adrian Lynch set out uh, a short statement uh, in which he concluded by saying the following discussions with the uh, incoming Director General, Kevin Backhurst, that um, Backhurst intended to reconstitute, was the board was the phrase he used, reconstitute the executive board of RTE. So the effects of that were not quite clear, but I think it's fair to say that it is possible that some of the individuals that we've been seeing and hearing from in recent days may not belong for this, uh, for this, for the executive board, and that there would be an overhaul of the executive board next month when Kevin Backhurst takes up his role. He also indicated from discussions he'd had with Kevin Backhurst, um, who we've heard nothing from since this controversy broke, despite the fact he's he's incoming DG of of, of RTE, um, that a register of interests for uh, staff and presenters would would be uh, would for editorial staff and, and presenters would be on the cards so basically that, that staff or, or rather presenters working for and, and some staff would, would have to file declarations of interest, any outside speaking gigs, any outside commercial arrangements they might be entered into, that they may may, all, may, all, may now have to disclose all of that publicly. Um, and certainly there's a lot of pressure coming on RT to publish the salaries of the top 100 earners within the organization. I think uh, it, was, it was notable, I thought. That uh, when asked about this early on in the hearing, Shuni Rahaleg said that um, that this was being considered, and within about 15 seconds, uh, she then conceded that it probably would be something that Ortiz would do. It indicates, I think, the degree to which Ortiz is under siege on this, and is, is being more reactive than proactive in the face of severe criticism from from TDs. What about ultimately now?
0: The end of two days before Aractus committees. I mean, blue, bruised, battered, bloodied uh, is the only thing that phrases, strings to mind here in terms of uh, how the RTE team have emerged. I mean, is there any reassurance coming? If, if you're Catherine Martin, Leo Vradker or Mary Lou McDonald, for that matter, are, are you assured that these people are the ones to carry through RTE through this crisis?
1: On the evidence of what we've heard over the last two days, I think it would be impossible for anyone at a senior level in government to have confidence in the people who are running RT. And I think that stretches from the boards, uh, chaired by Sue and Raleigh, who did not disclose to the minister uh, that D Forbes' resignation had been sought when she met with her last weekend. Uh, right down to the executive board, I don't think that the public nor the government can have any confidence in the individuals that we've been hearing from a lot over the last two days. If anything, I think this is uh, this has made this crisis much worse for RTE and much worse in the, in the uh, and I think much worse faith uh, is ahead of them in, in the coming week.
0: My thanks to Hugh O'Connell and Galbheagadhaviscaita for joining me today. I'm Fionan Chean, and today's episode of the Indo Daily. Was produced by Gareth Mulhall, researched by Paul Hyland, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from Oroctus TV, RTE and Independent.ie If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.